For many people, there are areas of their lives that just don't look and feel the way they wish they did. The Next Generation Wellness podcast is dedicated to unpacking the physical, mental, emotional and social stress triggers that stack together and make that experience so. Years of piling these triggers together often leave us feeling overwhelmed, anxious, irritable, depleted or unhappy and operating from a place of self-doubt, comparison, procrastination, perfectionism or busyness. We uncover the science, research and stories of what it takes to live with whole life success, along with improved ways of thinking and the stackable skills and habits to make it stick. Whether my clients are CEOs, stay-at-home parents, children, athletes or entrepreneurs, anxiety is a prominent feature of their life experience and it commonly requires some tackling. So we know that anxiety is an emotional response and no human is immune to experiencing it. But sometimes its stranglehold becomes painfully limiting. Sometimes it stops us excelling in life. Sometimes it stops us feeling enriched by life. In this episode, we're going to get underneath your personal relationship to anxiety, and I'm going to bring you three important assets. I know anxiety well. She used to sit awfully heavy, used to drive me to avoidance of my ambitions, used to drive me to avoidance of social settings, avoidance of any situation really that might draw attention to self. I'd stand just two steps out of the circle, say no when it really could have been a yes, and I would keep my life so full just to avoid any self-questioning around whether I was really playing small or living full. So this emotion, it used to drive me to the avoidance of most things that would make me stretch, the things that would make me feel proud about who I was and how I showed up each day. The thing is, anxiety is not something that fully disappears because it's an emotion, It's an emotion for us all to experience as humans, but it need not sit so heavy that life's experiences, our ambitions, and our connections with other people are limited, that takes us on a pathway ultimately of regret. So to help you move through this experience of anxiety, I have three assets for you, and each one of them you possess, all three. The very first asset is your brain. And we use this asset to gain an understanding of our personal relationship to anxiety. When we do this, we can bring the experience of anxiety to a place where it can become an emotional experience that feels like power within self versus a power over. A power within alerts us to pay attention and make some changes versus this power over that sends us into a pattern of behavior that can sit on a spectrum between either ineffective busyness or on the other end, behavioral paralysis. You have a relationship to this experience of anxiety, whether you're aware of it or not. And if it's a relationship that needs shifting, You can use your brain, this asset, as one of the very important things to move through this experience positively so it doesn't limit you, but it's empowering and has power or brings power within you. So let's look first at this relationship to anxiety you currently have. What do you believe about anxiety? Is it something to avoid or is it something you welcome? (laughs) Is it something to fix or is it something to experience and learn from? Is it something happening to you or is it something that is happening from within you? 
You see, this emotional response of anxiety is just that. It is just an emotional response. It has no meaning, zilch, until we add meaning to it. So I really ask you the very first step is if anxiety is something that you would love to experience differently in a way that is power within rather than power over, I ask you to contemplate, do you see it as something to avoid or as something to welcome? Because let me give you two scenarios. Scenario one is you have a relationship to anxiety of avoidance, a relationship that shouts frantically to run away fast. The second scenario is that you have a relationship to anxiety that is welcoming. And I know right now you're probably thinking, um, don't really want to welcome that feeling in. Not welcome here. So instead, maybe we can think of welcoming it, like welcoming someone into your home in this way. Let's say someone knocks on your door and it's really inconvenient, but deep down you know that they have a well-meaning intention and that that person's visit usually leaves you feeling in a better place with new insight, fulfillment, some more energy, and a little more motivated in your day. That sort of welcoming. Inconvenient, but we know it has a place and it's important for us. Take a moment right now, seriously, hit pause, take some time and really look at what your relationship to anxiety is because no other things that you try and do, breath work and all these amazing meditation and all these wonderful things, none of them will stick if the relationship you have to anxiety isn't one where you welcome it as an experience and you want to run and hide. Now, I'm having a stab in the dark that if you're tuning in to this episode with a title such as it is, that it is likely that your relationship to anxiety is more aligned to scenario one, avoid at all costs, something is wrong, something is wrong with me. So if my assumptions are accurate, let's take a few moments now then to uncover your patterns of avoidance, for they give us some really great insight into where we invest our energy to loosen anxiety's stranglehold. It helps us to understand what routines, what habits, what cognitive inputs we best integrate for us as a unique individual, not what's working for our friend. When we're running away from that emotional response of anxiety, where the sympathetic nervous system, that fight, fright, flight response is chief, we are in a common physiological response of our chest, our chest tightening. Um, We might be shallow breathing, not breathing deeply into our belly. There's a heart rate explosion usually. There's often heat spreading all over our body. We feel sick. We might have sweaty palms. We might have, um, or or our cognitive function might disappear. Our saliva disappears. Do you know that response? That was big for me, that one minute we are really smart and we're salivating over the chocolate in the cupboard and then the next thing we're like a lizard although I'm not sure that that's actually the best analogy. I'm not sure whether I think actually lizards are smart. Anyway, actually, and I don't know what their saliva production is like either. Anyway, I could possibly check with my husband on that. He's really good at that weird information retention, um, which is another thing I'm not quite sure on why on earth males can retain that random, albeit slightly unimportant detail. Anyway, what, I, what we're coming back to on these assets and anxiety is really about at some level we have this physiological response. We don't like it. It feels bad. It feels wrong. So we normally have a pattern that we use and it goes one way or another. The first way is that we tighten control. We go faster and harder and we over-operate. That was me. 
The second was, is, for some people, is we go into a paralysis of, of some type. We become inoperative in our normal capabilities. We underoperate. Often our innate personality type plays a role in how we respond in anxiety, as well as certain roles we have fulfilled in life. Nonetheless, there is usually a pattern we adopt, and often we are unaware of it. And we really need to find this before we start to look at any key habits or cognitive inputs we put in. So let's just say you go harder and faster and you tighten the grip on everything and you over-operate. Here's three likely drivers for you if you sit in that space. You quite possibly have a resistant relationship to vulnerability. You may have seen it as a child, some sort of signaling that brave and strong were the ways that you should operate. You may have also been uh, born into a family where you had to be brave and strong. You may have had a schoolmate, perhaps, that was embarrassing with what she talked about, um, and you decided in that very moment you were not going to share anything about yourself moving forward. But there could ultimately sit this resistant relationship to vulnerability. The second driver of this over-operating is your, could be your personality temperament. And it may be the cautious processing type of personality. It could be that you see things through the lens of caution or pessimism more than optimism. You see the dangers and it is part of your natural strength, perhaps as your personality type to do, to take action. And so this is your go-to unconscious response. The third thing that you, that may drive you towards this response is that you may have been rewarded for achievement as a child and through life. And this may look like rewards for winning. It might be because you were the best at something, you were getting top grades or you were good at sport, or you were generally being in the top certain percentage of something and your worthiness has been nicely tied into the need to achieve. But if we're really living life in an enriching and excelling way, most of us really need to not be the best at things. And so if there is risk and there's fear of failure and our worthiness is linked to achieving and being good at something, the moment we have to look towards stretching in any area of life, it will create an emotional response of anxiety and we will busy and overoperate because we are trying to use that pattern because that's what we know how to do to get things done to make it go away. So you might go that way. But let's say you step into that other pattern, the paralysis type. This response might be driven commonly by um, perhaps it's very likely that you have been, that, that your beliefs, and perhaps there's evidence of this now still, that you're not very disciplined. You're not very reliable. You're not very capable. Perhaps you even see yourself as hopeless. You may doubt yourself at every turn. And perhaps this started with a parent or a teacher or some wonderful human in your youth that most likely labelled you with that and was the type that over-operated and so looked at you and called you lazy or forgetful or hopeless or any number of unkind words that I'm sure that we've all most likely used and let slip from our mouth from time to time, unfortunately. But that may have happened to you. And so then each time you perhaps weren't very disciplined or very reliable you label yourself as hopeless and you stop. The other thing that might drive you into this pattern is your personality type that may be more that sitting back watching type, very capable of acting. But often someone, the over-functioning type, they've usually acted before you. 
So if you grew up with those people around you that acted first, there's a very normal pattern that you don't act quickly and someone else will come and save you. So perhaps you weren't given the time you needed to take action by a parent or sibling. Either way, we go into some pattern. We either overfunction, we underfunction, and when we know what we do, we can really start to change it. But if it's all automatic, we just live life out without ever questioning it, it will have a stranglehold on us. So what we do is we use this brain asset to firstly shine a light on what your relationship or your belief is around relation around anxiety. Um, it could be bad or good. It could be something to fix or experience to grow through. Um, then you use your brain as an asset to understand how that relationship to anxiety is driving you towards certain pattern responses. Over-operation or under-operation will be happening, and so shining a light is important. You may need to take this podcast back a few minutes to identify that relationship you have and also what you do to maybe question then why you do adopt those patterns when you're in that state of anxiety. Your second asset is your body. Once again, you have one. So this anxiety that feels out of your control can move gently within your control. Once we know what our brain believes and we use that asset and how it has us programmed to do an experience, do a certain way of experiencing it, then we can look more closely at this body asset, but we can't step, uh, skip step one. So once we get to this body asset, because it's always communicating to you, not like your brain telling you via thoughts, more in its symptoms and how you feel. So we know that the general stress response, that dominant sympathetic nervous system activation, will drive a physiological response that feels like what we call anxiety. So it makes sense that if we reduce as many stress triggers as possible, and I know there's over 50 of them, that we can actually reduce the frequency and duration of that stress response and significantly reduce the severity and impact of anxiety. Here's what that may look like in using this, using this asset, this second asset of the body or nourishing this second asset of the body rather than starving it. It might look like focusing on six handfuls of greens every day for magnesium absorption that could really help to support that nervous system. These are just examples that I'm giving you right now that are different for everyone and which is why this investigative work around what we do and when I work with individuals around what's, what's, what they're doing in their life behaviourally is important, what symptoms are showing up, what's happened previously in their life, why all these things are important. I need to know as much of that back-end stuff so that I can see the possible gaps because some of these habits aren't relevant to everyone. But we could use, get really focus on getting those greens in to support and nourish that second asset, the body. We could consistently consume fermented foods three times a day with meals in a nice condiment size that allows you to help to create B vitamins and allow your neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin to be produced and, and be effective, which will then drive emotional stability and, and prevent that exacerbation of that feeling of anxiety. You could ensure that you're consuming foods in, that have B vitamins in them so that the nervous system and adrenal system can function well. It might mean getting to bed earlier so the stress hormones are more balanced and your body has time to repair. It may mean hydrating, more water, better water. It may mean meditation, 
journaling, reducing chemical exposure. Perhaps you're getting up too early or too late. Perhaps you've forgotten how to breathe in a way that supports your precious nervous system. Perhaps you're surviving on adrenaline spike and caffeine. The key here is that we use our body and look at the symptoms and then discover what those symptoms are crying out for, what your body needs, and we begin to give it to them. And the effectiveness of how you support your first two assets, your brain and your body, will be dictated by your third asset, your behaviours, the routines and habits you consistently adopt. You see, this stranglehold of anxiety has more to do with what you do and think consistently, your routines, than it does with a hereditary gene or a past experience. And so if I was to knock on your door today I'm wondering if I could see a system or a routine that brings calm versus chaos. Do I see what you have intentionally planned for your finite time and habits? Because the things our body needs that we outlined earlier, things that our body needs and our brain needs, you'll never magically have time, more time for to integrate into your life. Please never wait for more time to take action on some of these key things that our brain and our body needs. And the way we think, it won't magically change, not unless we do this work. What you routinely do is brought, or what brings those two assets to their fullest potential is what we routinely do, what we do consistently. And if there is no intentional plan to stay accountable to those things, your mental clutter and the pressure of time will drive a response of anxiety regardless. So let's recap. All three assets matter, your brain, body, and behaviours. What is happening in your brain? What does your body need? And how on earth are you going to set that up to make that happen consistently? And usually, for most of us, there's a gap somewhere. And that should be good news. That shouldn't drive you into, I'm hopeless. That should drive you into this space of actually this thing doesn't have power over me. There is power within me if I use it as an experience to learn more about what I think, what I'm doing for my body to support it. And if you'd prefer to live life excelling towards your ambitions, because you and I both know somewhere deep inside of you, you believe that you are capable of more. And if you're ready to begin to experience that life that's enriched and vital whilst you're excelling towards those goals, then I really encourage you to start this work. You could book an introductory session using the link in the show notes to do that, where I would get underneath those mental, mental, physical and emotional and social stress triggers. And then we'd come together for 90 minutes to create a plan around that. And then you could use the whole life success planner as your personal daily, weekly, monthly accountability and focus tool to make sure those behaviors are met. We could do that. But you don't have to do that. You start somewhere. You start with questioning what your brain is telling you about anxiety, how you're ultimately supporting your body through this behavior, um, through this emotion, and how your behaviors are either supporting that brain and body or not. There is nothing wrong with any of us, but unless we look at some of these things that we label as out of our control, Little by little, we lose that self-confidence in ourselves to be able to move through it. And little by little, those little nicks become a big festering sore. I'm Erin Barnes, and I hope this brings a little more vibrancy, ambition, possibility, and wellness to your week. 
And if it does, I would be so very grateful if you could contribute your precious time to review the Next Generation Wellness Podcast. Thank you.